Welcome back to ATBS the podcast. Jeff here. It's great to be back in the pot ship. My guest today was introduced to me by Jesse Eppinger, who joined me on episode 21 for the Threshold Experience. Jesse recently experienced the Compass Vision Fast, which is hosted by today's guest, Jetty Azuma. Jetty is at the helm of the Rising Man movement and hosts the Rising Man podcast. You can check out all things Rising Man at risingman.org. And let's jump right in with Jetty Azuma. Matt Seiler here, lover of a good competition. One of the other guests on Jeff's phenomenal podcast threw a gauntlet trying to make his episode the most popular on the phenomenal ATBS, the podcast series. Being the frequent guest on the only sub-series, SFAO, I want to make sure that I win. And by winning, Jeff wins. And by Jeff winning, we all win. So please like, share, own, make sure that it gets the popularity it demands as ATBS rules the world. Hey, Jetty, welcome to ATBS, the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Honored to be here, Jeff. Excited to drop in with you. I appreciate it. I really, really do. I look forward to this conversation. I've been looking forward to it for a while. It's been brewing for six or eight weeks. And certainly in my mind, it has been. I'm super excited to dig in and talk to you about what you're up to and all the great things that you offer and how you got where you are and all of those things. <laughs> yeah, likewise, man. I always appreciate an opportunity to sit in the guest seat and, and just be able to jump on board for the journey and, and take the ride while you steer. Right. You don't have, yeah, exactly. You don't have to captain the ship this time, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's a good place to jump in. So Jetty, you've got, as I mentioned in the intro, risingman.org, Rising Man the Movement. It includes podcasts. It includes initiations. It includes programs. Let's talk about the podcast right off the bat, since you're in the captain's seat so often. What started that and what have you covered? It's funny because that's really the start of the journey. I was supporting and participating in a lot of men's work before the podcast. And it was really this deeper exploration into what is the greater impact I want to have on the world. It was about three years ago. I had just turned 30 and I was at that point in my life where I'm like, I'm ready to build something. I'm ready to put my footprint on this earth in a positive direction. And I was stewing around different ideas. In the creative process, I was just experimenting with what do I feel called to do? And this was also a period of my life where I was doing a lot of my own research. So I was listening to a ton of podcasts and audiobooks. I just really fell in love with the medium of the spoken word and being able to just listen while I was driving in my car or going on a walk. Suddenly it dawned on me that, oh, wow, I'd really love to create a podcast for men. Because I had already up to that point spent about five years in a committed men's circle and was always blown away by seeing how, how vacant that was for most other men, that there was a space in their life that they didn't have that kind of support. So the inspiration for the podcast was, I want other guys out there to know that there are more resources available and that suffering is not necessarily a 
predetermined outcome that you can get support in what you're going through in your life. And I also really wanted to dive deeper into that question of what does it mean to be a man? Because I was still trying to figure it out for myself. I was already married and my son was two years old when this was all happening for me. And I had an idea of what it meant to be a man, but I thought it would be interesting to gather some more data and research, see if we could find some commonalities and really cover the expanse of the answer to that question. And it's been really fascinating. I think this week, as we're recording this, we're publishing interview number 144, maybe. So I've gotten to ask that question to a lot of different men from different backgrounds. And I'm amazed both by the differences in opinion and also the similarities in what we end up arriving at. And uh, it's, it's opened up so much more. And I saw that, wow, this is a conversation that a lot of other men are interested in. And there's a lot of men in different parts of the world, pre-COVID, obviously, this is a couple of years ago, who are just dying to have what I'm speaking about on the show, to dying to have a circle, dying to have a space where they can drop the mask and be vulnerable. That's really how it's evolved. That's really how it went from just an idea in my head towards how can we build community and ultimately a movement around this so that more men on this planet can have what they need. It's interesting, Jetty, since you and I were introduced by our mutual friend, Jesse, I've explored, you know, online and, and looked at what you're doing and what you're offering and through the rising man movement. And then I've talked to some different people, a number of different people as you do. And I do, I, you know, I love the spoken word and I love to communicate with people and ask questions and find out what's, what's going on in their world. And what are you looking for? What would be helpful to integrate or incorporate into your life? It's fascinating when you talk to men as we are, you know, you and I are a few decades apart in age, but, you know, it seems to be fairly consistent across the board. To your point, men are looking for something, looking for some support, looking for some help. And as you said, drop the mask and be vulnerable and support each other and learn. So kudos to you for stepping into the void or, or maybe it wasn't a void, but stepping in and realizing what you're here to do. Well, I appreciate that acknowledgement. And it really surprised me at first. I didn't enter into creating the podcast thinking, well, I'm going to make a large community of men that's multinational, global, multi, you know, multi-generational. And that wasn't, it wasn't my, my target when I stepped into it, but I was just surprised. And, and frankly, I was a bit alarmed that there were so many men out there doing life without support, without the support of other men, without a space to go and realize that they're not unique. And I know that I don't think I would have been able to survive, to be a husband, to be a father, to provide for my family in a way that feels aligned with my purpose, had it not been for circles and spaces like that. So I was alarmed that there were so many men trying to do it without it. And that's really what's fueled every step of the way is just the idea that there's still men out there suffering. There's still men that are committing suicide at an alarming rate and exiting this planet in this life because they don't see any other options. And that, that really pains me to know that that's, that's the reality for so many guys. And that maybe if they just had a different perspective or someone to say, Hey, I've been there before, or Hey, I'm, I'm actually in that right now, but we can be in it together. How much of a difference that would have, how many families wouldn't have to endure that pain, how many lives would be able to pour themselves back into making this world a better place for future generations. That's that's really what it comes back to to me. 
the suicide piece, that being the only option that someone can see at that moment is to your point, you know, that it's shocking. It's scary. It reminds me a little bit of the AA community or the Alcoholics Anonymous community or any one of the 12 step programs, not to compare the two, except to say that knowing that you're not the Lone Ranger, knowing that there are others, knowing that others have been through what it is you're going through. In AA, that's all about drinking and just getting through the day, like one day at a time is a huge piece of that puzzle. And you always have somebody that you can call, always have somebody that you can rely on to be there for you. Right. And that's what we see addicts do all the time is that they run and look for places where they can go and and be safe. And it's usually in community with each other around other alcoholics, around other users, around other people who are cheating on their partners or spouses, because that fear of being exposed and being judged for our challenges intimidates us, makes us feel vulnerable. And so the more spaces that we can find ourselves in where we can be vulnerable, express our truth and not be judged for it, be embraced, also not be excused. There's a a difference in vulnerability where if you just go somewhere where you're looking for somebody to commiserate with you and make your behavior okay, that's not what I'm describing here. To me, that's that's not really being on a team in a supportive space with other men. Men who can embrace you in spite of your challenges and at the same time call you forward into your highest and greatest self, that's the secret sauce right there. That's the combination. And that's what so many guys out there, I'm sure men are listening to this and there might also be women who are listening to this who see that in their men or men in their life. That's the thing that most guys are still missing. And I'm 33 years old, man. I hope that I still have several decades left. I hope that by the time I do exit this life, that this is just something every man has. I've never played the generational card. So um, most people know who are listening to this that I'm 56 years old. And I love the fact that you're in your early 30s. I would say young man, early in the game, right? You know, not a not a boy, not in your 20s, you know, but early in the game of being being a man and stepping into your the fullness of your of yourself. And I see it. A lot. I've had a couple conversations in the past few weeks. I have a friend who was teaching yoga to a bunch of young people who are taking a gap year before they go to college. And so they were out on a two-month expedition, led, guided around the Western United States, coming into contact with these young people who are 18, 19 years old. There was so much enthusiasm and so much hope that was, oh, wow, these young people are turned on. They're curious. They're interested. I have two guys right now. I'm working on a a little house that I own in historic Park City, Utah. And there are two guys down there as we speak. One of them is 19. One of them is 24 years old. I've known one of them most of his life, a 19 year old. And the other day we were talking and they said, well, they didn't know I had a podcast. And so they said, well, what's the podcast about? And I said, you know, it's all things big and small. It's really everything pretty much everything's in play, you know, and I told them, you know, where we've been and what we've covered and some things like that. And they said, wow, that sounds really interesting. And I said, you know, one of the things that I'm, I have an episode, you know, I have a recording that I'm going to do with Jetty Azuma, uh, you know, early this coming week. And I told them about what you're doing, you know, in, in really brief terms, you know, what the rising man movement is. And they both looked at me and said, 
that's one I want to know about. You know, young guys, you know, now we're not talking about 30s or 40s or 50s. And I'd love to, maybe this is a transition or a segue into coming of age and rites of passage. But here are these guys, 19, you know, 24 years old. And the 19 year old texted me and his name's Vladdy. And he said, you know, Jeff, I'm really curious about what you've learned. And I'd love to sit down and have some conversation. I've been looking for some spiritual mentors and, you know, some guides, if you will. And it was fascinating to see them both like latch on to this, what you're doing, what you offer and be really, really curious. And I only barely scraped the surface. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. First of all, I love when younger guys are getting more curious and more courageous and asking for that type of support from we'll call them elder men, not old guys, but <laughs> it's funny you mentioned the age thing because I was just talking to my wife last night and we were having dinner and one of these younger guys, he's uh, he just turned 22 yesterday. He spent some time living with me and my family. He's been out and experienced a lot of the events that I have. Really bright young man who's just beginning his journey, really. And I was joking with him because he's like, dude, when did you start talking like such an old guy? Because I, I kind of make jokes about myself being the old guy. And, you know, I said, well, you earn the right to start calling yourself an old guy when the younger guys start coming to you for insight. <laughs> I said, so maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not the old guy, but I'm definitely one of them getting up there. But, you know, all kidding aside, I love that. I love when a younger man comes to me and is asking questions that I didn't even ask when I was that age. I had that experience when I was 23, 25 years old, and I was encountering people more of your generation, a little bit older, that were saying, oh my goodness, it's so refreshing to see a young man like you putting all of this accolades on top of me and also pressure to be this you know, hope of the next generation. And it's very humbling to have that experience and to be acknowledged in that way, but then also to look back and say, yeah, but these younger guys are starting to ask questions I wasn't even dreaming of when I was their age. To me, that's progress. To me, that's we're all collectively doing our part to walk that line further back. And the reason that this plays into rites of passage is because I don't know who out there is familiar with rites of passage or initiations. So I think maybe just defining those two words and the way I hold them first and then talking about it would be good. For me, a rite of passage is a ritual or ceremonial death and rebirth. It's a three-part process that every rite of passage covers. And the first is severance. So like literally like severing something, severing ties, releasing, letting go, shedding skin on anything that no longer serves you in your life. This is the part of facing off, being honest with who you've been, what's happened in your life, healing traumas, facing off with experiences that a lot of times we try to avoid and making peace with them, learning from them, really pouring into them in preparation for this next chapter that we're inviting in or stepping into. And then there's some sort of ordeal, some sort of challenge. In the rites of passages that we lead, there's always a combination of wilderness exposure, being out in the wild, solitude, so spending time alone in nature, fasting, abstaining from food and sometimes water, and sometimes sleep. Really fasting from comforts is, is what it all amounts to. And then coming out of that experience into which we call the threshold, that's stage two. So severance threshold, and then coming out of that threshold into this new chapter, being reborn into incorporation. And now all the insights, medicine, gifts that you receive during your time 
it's your mission to bring those gifts and to incorporate them into your life, to make them a part of your lifestyle and the way that you live. So there's a lot of different rites of passage all across the world between different traditions and different cultures. And an initiation is, by definition in the dictionary, is an admission into a private or secret society. I think secret kind of gives it this weird CD culty underbelly kind of vibe, but really it's just being witnessed and acknowledged as having gone through a challenge that's shared in this community. And other people who have gone through that challenge or ordeal are there to welcome you and admit you into this community on the other side of that challenge. So more familiar initiations we think of in the modern world is like fraternities, right? They have their pledge process of you know doing whatever they do to have you demonstrate your commitment, your resiliency, and willingness to be a part of this community. There's gang initiations, right? Of you know jumping people in or things that you have to do to demonstrate your commitment and loyalty to that community. Ours looks different. And to me, it's it's a healthier version of the way that boys were meant to be initiated into manhood, seen as ready and prepared to embrace and take on that role of being a provider, protector, and servant to the people. That's the work that we're up to. And I'm so happy when we get some of these guys who are in their late teens and early 20s asking for that experience because the majority of boys and men in the Western world don't even know that that's available. They don't even know that that's something that they can have, although they feel it in their bodies. Every boy goes through that part of the, their life process where they want to challenge themselves. I want to find out what I'm made of, what I'm capable of, what I can do, and prove to myself that I am ready for bigger challenges in my life. And without a community to initiate the boys, they go out and do it themselves. Maybe they do some high risk, jumping out of airplanes, backpacking the world, uh, you know, doing really risky things that might lead them to a similar result, but not have that community that has witnessed them through that process and can then hold them accountable to what they received from it. That's the difference. Yeah. As you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, if somebody's going backpacking or somebody's jumping out of a plane or whatever the high risk, you know, risky behavior might be, they might do it with a buddy or two, but it's not a larger community, right? To your point, there's nobody there to, to support, to explore, to mine what's been learned, right? The gifts, the medicine. Okay, what did you learn and what do you take forth? Yeah, and, and also to reflect back what they might not be seeing because we all have blind spots. This is where the men's teams and men's circles also comes into play. And the reason that my work in the world has bridged those two worlds together so that there's men's team, men's circles, and men's leadership and wilderness rites of passage and initiations is because you got to have guys who've been through it before, who know you, who won't judge you, who can create a safe container to hold up the mirror and show you the things that either you can't see or you don't want to see. Sometimes both. Sometimes you can't see it and you definitely don't want to see it. That, that uncomfortable mirror and reflection that we can't provide to ourselves because we're so susceptible to believing our own BS. That can go so far into, you know, well, what is reality and what we perceive and how we trick ourselves into, you know, beliefs and, and patterns and behaviors and what we choose to recall and not recall and integrate and not, not integrate. Yeah, well, totally. I mean, one of my, well, I'll call him a, a, a contact, but somebody I'm really becoming closer to and really respecting his work, a man named James Silvis, 
I had him on my podcast a, a few weeks back and it just kind of blew my mind because he's all about mindset. He's really studied it. He's masterful in understanding the mind and the way it works. He said that the mind is engineered for survival, not for greatness. We're engineered to survive on this planet, not to excel and be great and push boundaries and take risks. So we have to train ourselves to do that. And it's not to say that we should be reckless with our life or our actions, but that in order to affect bigger impact than just the baseline, I've got a pulse, I've got food in my belly and a roof over my head, we have to stretch beyond our biology. And that's not an easy thing to do. Our brain is giving us feedback all day long saying, just take it easy. You've done a lot. Those voices that we hear in our heads that compel us to go sit on the couch and watch Netflix, you deserved it. All the boxes are checked off. We're safe. There's no imminent threats. We're fed. We're going to sleep under a roof tonight. We're good. And for some people, that's enough. That's okay. But for most of us, it's not, especially when we're talking about men. We're compelled to do more than just the basics. But the only way we can succeed in doing that is if we create accountability and culture around being those kinds of men. It never stops and it never gets easy to be a guy who pushes his edge all the time. The only way I've ever found success in it, and maybe you know more because you've been around longer than I have, but the only way I've found success in that is to have men around me who aren't afraid to push my buttons and to say, hey, dude, you're better than this. You're slowing down. You're slacking off a little bit. What's going on? Without that, I'm just like every other man. The accountability, right? Oh, yeah. And it gets to a point. I just recently moved to Santa Cruz. And before I left the Ventura County, Santa Barbara area, I was on a men's team for almost eight years. I was sitting for three hours every two weeks with these same guys, almost all the same guys. There were some guys who came in and out. It got to the point where if I was going through something or I was challenged by something, I would pick up the phone. I would call these guys and they wouldn't even have to pick up the phone. I would just hear their voice on the voicemail and I would get what I needed. Because I knew what they were going to tell me. I knew what that voice on the other side would say had they answered the phone. And immediately I was like, oh yeah, I'm not alone. That guy's got my back. And I'm doing the same thing that I've done before, just in a different way. So what did they tell me then? Oh yeah. Yeah, they told me to, 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 to just, just to go for it, to take the risk. What's the worst that could happen? Okay, great. I'm going to go do that. <laughs> so it's amazing, man. It, but it's, it's just really a testament to the kinds of relationships we can cultivate when we're all in. I think it's worth exploring or discussing the, you know, when we're all in versus when we keep our guard up. And you said it right off the bat, right? Like when we lower our mask and we acknowledge or we get comfortable with being vulnerable, which men have a hard time with in general, I would say. It's fascinating to me how it all kind of links together. Being held accountable, you know, being mirrored, right? Having it mirrored back to us and go, oh, like you said, when you call and you get a voicemail and you're like, oh yeah, I know what they said the last time. I know which way to go. Let me ask you this. In this world in which we live today, where there's so much discussion of gender equality, what, if anything, have you run into or have you run into Anything, you know, here we are talking to Jetty, who is, you know, at the helm of the rising man movement. It's not the rising human movement. What's been your experience with that? I think it's worth 
exploring and sharing with, you know, people listening. Totally. Well, it's imperative, man. I mean, we're not just men on this planet. We only account for a little less than half of the world population. And I got to take a step back for a second, because one of the things that I wasn't really aware of when I started the podcast was how important it was to make a distinction between words that usually get clustered to mean the same thing. So man and woman, for example, male and female, maleness and femaleness, masculinity and femininity. These words that often are clustered to mean the same thing. And maybe in previous generations, many, many years ago, it was useful to do that. We live in a world where, man, I don't even know how many different gender assignments and declarations there are anymore. It's actually really hard for me to keep up with it. And I do my best to be sensitive, but I can't keep up. I don't really know. So at this point, I think human is really more relevant when we're talking about people in general. I don't think there's anybody who's not claiming to be human anymore, unless, <laughs> unless they're a little, unless they're a little far off the grid. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's been, a, it's been a journey and also in understanding. So, so for me, this is how I do it. Anybody who identifies as a man or male, those are the guys that I'm speaking to with the work that we offer, the guys who are invited to attend an event or participate in our circles, because who am I to tell you that you're not a man? I don't care what equipment you were born with. I don't care what you've been through in your life. Today, you tell me that you identify as a man and you resonate with that journey of challenging yourself to rise up and be the man you always wanted to be. You're welcome. And I've been in space with transgendered folks. And it's really powerful, actually, when in a space like that, seeing the acceptance that comes from other men who are on board with that, like, hey, you consider yourself a man, let's let's go, let's do this. So beyond that, beyond just the gender dialogue, I think the masculinity, femininity conversation has been really interesting, especially for me. My journey has been growing up with the skills to be very masculine, to be very disciplined, to be very, very focused and directed and targeted. My journey in my teens and my early twenties was all around my emotions. My emotions were just flaming and out of control and really wild. And there was no container for me to go to that was safe. And there was no mirror for me to interpret or understand my emotions. So I did what most people do. I suppressed them and bottled them up and suffered for the better part of a decade really a whole decade because it was, it was when I got into my teens and all the hormones started raging. And then until I got to my mid-20s and I started spending time around men who were acknowledging that they have emotions and that they do experience them, but that they don't let their emotions steer the ship. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it happens and you, you kind of fall off the, the grid for a second, but getting back to it, I didn't even know that move was available because I'd only ever seen my dad in his stoicism or my mom in her just wild <laughs> emotions all the, all over the place all the time. And I trended towards her way initially. And then I trended back towards my dad of just stifling that down and realizing that both ends of that spectrum are, are really important. It's important to feel. It's what makes us human. My ability to feel and empathize with an emotion that you're having brings us closer together. If I'm denying myself of feeling that, if I'm not allowing myself to have that full human experience, then I'm literally compromising my ability to connect with you, which being social animals doesn't work out so well. 
And if I'm also letting my emotions run wild and soak up all the energy in the room and never give space for anyone else, that doesn't create a very safe or trustworthy container. And that's kind of the extremes that I was running back and forth from until I started to learn about what a grounded masculine looks like and what a liberated feminine looks like. And honestly, up until just a couple, maybe like a year and a half ago, I was still really resistant to embracing my feminine. After all this work, after all these conversations, there's still some stigma around that. And it wasn't until I disassociated the word feminine from being female that I was like, well, what does feminine really mean to me? It's about creativity. It's about spontaneity and adventure and excitement and experiencing highs and lows. And then having my masculine come in to ground me again and realizing that those are qualities that I think every human needs to have. It's not that we need all of our men to be hyper-masculine and all of our women to be hyper-feminine. That's a very risky clustering of categories to put together, in, in my opinion. I know there's guys in, in the tradition of men's circles I come from, there's a lot of emphasis on the masculine because there's a lot of guys who never put emphasis on their masculine, who, who never learned to be decisive or targeted or strategic or specific and integral with their word. That's, that's important work to do. But to me, that's only half the picture. So it's been a really interesting journey in negotiating that space. And I've had men and women come on the show and talk about masculine and feminine. And it's really good to be a part of that conversation because I don't think any of us can really say that it is one way or the other. Yeah, agreed. One of the uh, hallmarks of ATBS, the podcast, is to present information in a non-judgmental, non-dogmatic format. Non-judgmental. It's such an important piece of this puzzle of being human, I think. It seems like, especially in the world in which we're living today, where like, look, let's all just take a deep breath. If somebody says something that we don't agree with, or, you know, it seems like people tend to be on a, in lots of circles and seem to be pretty much on a hair trigger, right? Ready to pounce versus ready to listen with the intent to understand somebody else's perspective. Yeah. And the possibility of learning something new. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the reason we got into this mess is because we've been so rigid with our beliefs because we all feel so insecure about what we actually believe in. If I'm really confident in what I believe to the point where nobody's really going to sway me one way or the other, then I can entertain another person's truth. But out there in the world, there's it's so clear to me how insecure people are and their need for other people to be on board with their belief system so they can feel more safe. But that's not life, man. Doing all this work with rites of passage and being out in the wilderness, I love using nature as the reference source for me. When I'm trying to think about something or trying to understand something in my life, I, I remind myself that I'm also an animal. I'm a creature. What would nature do? How would nature approach this? Nature would realize that there's no guarantees. There's no safety or security in the world. And granted, I'm not looking over my shoulder for a saber-toothed tiger every day anymore, but the metaphorical representation of that still exists in my body. And I need to learn how to ground myself and, and be with that level of fear and threat in a way that allows me to be in respectful relationship with all beings. I'm not claiming to be in that space. That's definitely a lifetime of work. But being able to appreciate that, well, there might be something for me in what that person has to say. There might be something that I don't see. But as soon as I start to pretend like I know and I've got the truth, there's no relationship anymore. It's just a screaming match trying to win the argument. Yeah, so well said. 
I'm thinking of the audience, the ATBS, the podcast audience, which is, I know for a fact that there are people that are, you know, in their early twenties listening pretty regularly. And I know there are some people that are in their, in their eighties listening. And I know there are men and women, male, female to use those, you know, those labels. Right. And I guess I'll say this to my listeners, you know, with what Jetty and I are talking about is I expect that there are going to be some women who hear this, who are in relationship, married, what have you. And they go, wow, what a cool thing this would be for my spouse, my partner. I know of one for sure. Like she has contacted me and said, Jeff, I know you've been through a lot of things over these past bunch of years. I know you've learned a lot. You're incorporating a lot into your life. Would you be willing to talk to my husband and maybe when you go out on one of your next journeys, take him with you, right? And the first thing that came to mind is, oh my gosh, I'm going to have this conversation with Jetty. And, you know, it exists. What you're doing exists in the world and, and is available. Risingman.org is how you find it, just for people listening. But I was thrilled when she said that. I know that there are places and people and circles and support. And it gives me great hope that there are things going on in the world that people can participate in to learn, to share, to support, to broaden horizons, open the mind. Hopefully there are, you know, men, women of all ages listening who go, oh, wow, that sounds really interesting. It's all I can ever ask, you know, with the podcast is that people go, ah, some light switches on for somebody, even if it's just one person and they go, oh yeah, I got to check that out. Yeah. Well, what I think you're leaning towards is how can we get men to find their way into these spaces, into these communities? And it's funny because obviously there's the women, right? I love women, especially spouses and partners and sisters who are like, oh, this is so amazing. I wish my fill in the blank man in my life would do this. I have so many women who reach out to me and say, how can I get my husband to sign up for this thing you're doing? I'm like, honestly, I don't have an answer for that yet because I know that there's that boy in me. I consider it to be the boy in me who doesn't want to do what his mom tells him to do. (laughs) And anything that I interpret as a message coming from mom, I'm going to go, you say left, I go right. You say go up, I go down. What I'm learning in my journey, because it's very present in my relationship with my wife and she knows it. She knows that she can't, I, I need to have space to have my own discovery and evolution process. And thankfully, I married a woman who has done a lot of this other work for herself and and knows that. And this is where I'm at right now currently is being humble enough to listen to my wife and to respect her insight as someone who spends more time around me than the only person who spends more time or equal amounts of time with me is my kids. And they're five and 18 months. So they, they give me a different kind of mirror. But my wife is the adult who spends the most time around me. She's witnessed me in some of my most vulnerable places. You know, Aside from the men that are on my men's team, she knows me better than almost every human on this planet. So if I'm, if I'm not willing to entertain what she's saying, then I'm, I'm just being stubborn. <laughs> I'm just flat out being stubborn and proud and not humbling myself to at least consider what she has to say. I don't have to do anything that she suggests or reveals to my attention, but there's been moments in my life where my wife has pointed me in a direction that changed everything that I wasn't seeing before. 
And if I'm not humble enough to receive that from her, then frankly, I'm, it's like somebody offering you water when you're thirsty and just saying, nah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stay parched. <laughs> so I think, I think there's, there's the part for us as men to be more humble about receiving support. And there's also ways for women to be in the curiosity versus the, you got to go do this. Telling a man what to do is not going to get you anywhere. Telling anybody what to do. I had this conversation the other day. Like, when was the last time anybody was psyched to be told what to do? Right. Nobody who's trying to be an adult. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and also kids, right? I mean, kids don't like to be told what to do. Some of them comply or obey, but it's got to come from a source of like, wow, you know, I really heard this thing that was interesting. Because that's the thing is I know when my wife is trying to steer me in a direction of an outcome that she wants to see. It's obvious, right? We all have radar for that. It's like when you're, someone's trying to sell you something. You're just like, I, I get it. I know what you're trying to <laughs> I've do I've seen here. this before. But just from a genuine place of, hey, I, I, I heard this thing. You know, I was listening to my friend Jeff's show and he had a man on there and they were talking about men's circles. And I realized that I've never seen you have something like that. So if you feel interested in it, why don't you check it out? Maybe we could listen to it together on our drive to go visit our friends this weekend. Like invitations like that, where they can say yes or no. They can say, yeah, that sounds cool. Sure. Why not? Or nah, I'm not, I'm not really into it. And letting that be okay. You know, like unattached. I love it. That's what I hope for. And I'm thinking of a few people specifically out there that you say, hey, hey you know, you know that Jeff has a podcast and he had this man on the other day and, and I found it really interesting. So let's listen to it. Or I'd love, love to share it with you. You might like it. That'll be fantastic. So let's then segue to, okay, what are we offering? Obviously, people can go to risingman.org, but let's talk about it. Let's talk about fire circles and what you offer in general. And then, of course, we're dealing with you know this COVID world that we're in right at the moment. So what are they going to find? What can one expect when they come and plug into the Jetty Azuma world and, and risingman.org? Well, if anyone's made it to this point, I would just go back and highlight that part of the conversation we had where I was talking about the difference between being in a space where people are just going to floss you up and tell you what you want to hear and make it really comfortable and cozy and a space where you'll feel supported, you won't feel judged, and you'll be called into the highest version of yourself. That's the spaces that we're cultivating. Regardless of what label they carry. Yeah, regardless of what label that there is. You know, I mean, being able to step into a space to share something honest, vulnerable, a challenge, a grief, a shame, a guilt that you carry. And to see that there are just men who lean in, who don't step back, but lean in to that vulnerability because we share that with you. That's the essence. That's like the doorway. And I always say that the first medicine of men is relatability. Because as soon as we can relate to another man's experience, either by them sharing that something we shared reminded them of their experience or vice versa. And we can see that we're not unique and that it's okay to be that. That's that's a real part of who you are and what has happened to you in your life. There's an immediate shift in beliefs. There's an immediate shift in almost a man's cellular composition because it defies everything that you've learned in your life up to that moment. Everything up to that moment was, well, if I do this, if I'm vulnerable, if I show weakness, then I'm going to be turned away. I'm going to be cast out. I'm going to be ostracized. But as soon as you get a different experience of that, sometimes it takes repeated experiences of that to really break some of that conditioning. But once that happens, there's a whole new world, a whole other life 
that's waiting for men on the other side of that. You just have to have the courage and confidence to take that first step. Two things crossed my mind while you were talking about that, that we know scientifically that we have neuroplasticity. We can establish new neural networks and it doesn't take very long. It takes far less time than most people would imagine. And then the second piece, epigenetics, right? You just said it on a cellular level, things change. When we step into these groups, into these supportive environments on a cellular level and epigenetically, we now know scientifically that it changes how our genes are expressing themselves on a moment to moment basis. And that matters. There's science and kind of, I'll call it science and magic everywhere, right? And they come together and they flow together in this wonderful dance. And I think it's a return. It's a remembering that this is what we're supposed to do. There is a few generations of that glorified lone wolf, lone ranger, the Batmans of the world that hide in the shadows and do their hero work on their own that really changed that narrative. Because you go back far enough and we had to depend on each other to feed our families. I don't know if you've ever seen the skeleton of a woolly mammoth, but ain't nobody taking one of those down by themselves. I don't care what you saw in a movie or what you imagine in your mind. That was a united, coordinated effort of, of many people, many humans working together and then bringing that home. And we're so engineered to work together. We're so engineered to do this stuff together. And yet we're denying ourselves of that. Again, it's like water being offered and choosing to go and be thirsty. I have another example that, that I'm kind of living in right now, which is this little miner's cottage or miner's house that is in historic Park City. And it was built, you know, 120 years ago, back in the mining days when they were mining silver in Park City, Utah. And I've done enough studying to find out and research to find out how they built these houses, right? They weren't building houses, they were building shelter, right? I need a place to sleep. Going way back to the early part of our conversation is I need a, like a roof over my head. You know, warm and dry is pretty important. Then I can go out and do the other things. And, you know, these people were working down in the mines and, and grinding it out, right? It was no picnic. But I explained to somebody just the other day how they built this house what part of the house was the original structure. And it's like 12 feet by 18 feet. You can imagine, and I don't know this to be fact, but you can imagine how they built it. There's no framing. They're just wide planks that are put into a small six inch deep trench in the ground. Well, how did they build a structure? They called in their, their friends. They called in their, their, their guys, their people and said, look, man, this weekend, I need to build a structure. It's getting cold. I need shelter. They came together to get the job done, right? I can see it. I can feel it. I can imagine it to the same thing with the woolly mammoth. Like, ain't nobody going to get that done on their own. We're not built that way. And if we were in more of a mm, tribal situation or early ranching where, you know, your next neighbor was, you know, a couple of miles away, when you needed them, you needed them. When you need help, you need help. Wow, it's it's so, there's so many examples of it, right? We are built to work together. Jetty, what are you uh, most excited about? What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to more in-person work next year. <laughs> yes, I, amen. <laughs> and I, I'm saying that I'm not going to let COVID get in the way of me connecting with other men because I, 
I'm grateful that I've been able to continue my work in a virtual capacity and it's made me more present than I've ever been to how important it is to be in the same physical space. And I know that I can't do that with every man all over the world, but my mission right now is to do that with as many men as I can and then send those seeds out into the different corners and recesses of this planet so that we've got that. So that, like I said earlier, when I take my last breath, an in-person men's circle around a fire is what every guy has in his life. That's what I want. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And I'm excited to do new stuff next year. I've got some really amazing, interesting, new creative ideas that I'm putting out into the world coming into the new year. So yeah, a lot of that, I mean, that's all going to be through Rising Man at risingman.org. Anybody who wants to check that out currently or in the future, it'll be there. Yeah, looking forward to more connections with allies too. Because like I said, I know I can't do this all by myself. And so just having this dialogue with you, Jeff, and, and other people, men and women who can, who share a similar mission, who have a specific role to play in that. I'm looking forward to more contacts. I love it. Well, I'll certainly do my part here, my friend. And as you're sitting there, you know, as you're, I'm listening and you're talking about more contact and I was having a conversation quickly this morning with a friend of mine and who said, yeah, you know, I mean, 10 months ago, who knew what was going to come our way? You know, I don't think anybody did. And then the comment was, if you hadn't gotten pneumonia and there hadn't been such raging fires in Northern California, I'd kind of imagine you being there already. Me, right? Like I've said to you in our earlier conversations, one of my intentions is to get there, to come and, and see you and, you know, plug in with some other things that are happening in that part of the world. So I share that with you. I have every intention of being in space with you sooner rather than later. That's beautiful, man. I'll look forward to when that moment arrives. Jetty, thank you for joining me on ATBS, the podcast. Can't thank you enough. And all that you're doing, I think it's fantastic. We'll point everybody in the right direction in the show notes and have references and access for people. Thanks, brother. Yeah, man. Genuine honor and joy to be on here. And thank you for this labor of love that you're doing for your people out there. I know what it takes to produce a podcast and keep putting your voice and wisdom out there each and every week. And it's a lot of work, man. So shout out to you and an invitation for people to keep supporting you, even if it's just an inspiring message to keep that fire lit, to keep it going because you're doing some good stuff, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. We'll continue the dialogue and I know we're going to see each other soon. Thank you for listening to ATBS, the podcast with Jetty Azuma. I encourage you to check out risingman.org and the Rising Man podcast. Thanks for your continued interest in ATBS, the podcast. I sure appreciate it. We'll catch you here next time. Take care.